Welcome to Lead Today with me, Kalina. Let's talk leadership. Hey, and welcome back, everyone. We're continuing along. It's sort of, it's interesting because this is a travel series that we're on at the moment, um, but there's just been so much going on in a personal sphere and with things on the horizon in terms of episodes that it's it's almost a little hard to focus on travel. It's interesting what becomes most important depending on just the current events of your life. You know, if you're in a season where you really want to travel, then these episodes can feel like the most important, compelling information I could possibly share. Um, but depending on what season of life you're in, just you have different priorities. So reminiscing about this with a friend the other day of, you know, the problems we had when we were 16 versus 26 and it's how it changes throughout the decades. And isn't it the case that, well, things feel so dire uh, or so significant at one point and yet down the road or you know, just even a few days or weeks, the the context can, can really shift your perspective. So if you're here and you're all about travel at the moment, I totally understand. I think I spent a good decade being all about travel. So I my heart is with you if you're here and have other things on your mind. Maybe this will give you a different perspective or area of focus, a break from the other things that you have on your mind. But let's uh, let's dive in because actually the country of discussion today is Brazil. And man, do I have a lot to say about Brazil. I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it to whatever time I can. Uh, but my heart, my soul, I felt just so embraced by Brazil's everything. Culture, the people, the food, the dance, music, just, I mean, I suppose that's part of culture. Every, every element of Brazil spoke to my core. Even the parts of Brazil that people speak about, you know, potentially negatively or they are concerned about things like, well, it's a developing country, which means, you know, are there systems organized and there's corruption in the government and there's, you know, it's dangerous. And aren't you worried about that? Aren't you worried about going to spend a good amount of time in Brazil and have those have those things be true? And I mean, I definitely didn't know what I was getting myself into leaving, you know, I grew up in Canada where very privileged, you know, who was I to to understand what it was like to live in a favela of Rio de Janeiro? I who who was I to say? I had no idea what what that could be like. And I still, you know, have never lived in a favela. So even though I spent an extensive amount of time in Brazil over the course of a few years, um, you know, I'm I'm not pretending to be Brazilian, but certainly um I have to say part of my heart will always, always be in Brazil. So why? What's the deal with Brazil? Why is it on my travel series list? Well, um, the way that I ended up in Brazil was sort of a funny thing. Although the way I end up in most places is sort of a, there's always a story to how I end up visiting a place, I suppose. Um, and why it finds a place in my heart, like Aruba, you know, it was because my family vacationed there and that was through a recommendation from a family friend and then here we are and I'm you know spending time there and 
it really became a sort of a second home in ways, you know, you get really used to the, the place and obviously Croatia, my family's Croatian. And so um, Croatia will be coming up in next, in a few episodes, maybe the next episode. And of course that's near and dear to my heart because of my family's history there and the lineage um, Brazil is a funny story. So I went to a yoga retreat in Barbados. Um, it was actually, actually where it started was I went to a yoga retreat in Portugal, in the north of Portugal, near Porto. And, um, so this family that ran the retreat in Portugal, lovely family, they have a, an interesting story of their own. Um, but they were the, this retreat in Portugal and the, in the mountains there was lovely, um, about a year later, I want to say they were running a retreat in Barbados and I thought, oh yeah, that'd be great. So I went to the retreat in Barbados and, um, made a friend with the lovely English girl there who was also at the retreat. And, um, you know, that was that we went home, but we kept in touch and she was planning a trip to Brazil with her friend. And I sort of invited myself along, quite frankly, I said, Hey, you know, would you mind if I came with you? And said no yeah come along and so the three of us started in I started in Sao Paulo and they I met up with them in Rio so I spent a few days with a family friend um stunning home and just Sao Paulo's very you know metropolitan and huge you know if you have to take a bus anywhere good luck to you it's like hours of commute some people commute hours on the bus a day like two hours one way two hours another day it's like really really metropolitan quite developed in the city center um you know it's really the the commercial center if not real you know those two kind of duke it out although sao paulo's huge commercially speaking so you know the real hub of commercial activity and it was nice to spend a few days there with some family friends. You really got a local experience, you know, go to the mall, go to a, go to a garden shop, go and go for dinner. So just really some local spots. And man, again, I can't, the food. Okay. What do you have to get? You have to get, if you drink alcohol, you have to get cachaça and you can get it in a caipirinha, which is their sort of signature drink, the whole country. It's, you know, caipirinha, caipirosca, and caipirosca is made with the vodka. Usually caipirinha is made with cachaça. And two different kinds of alcohol and, and cachaça is so interesting. I got this bottle when I was in Salvador, but anyway, let's, let's stay on track. So, um, so get a caipirinha or a caipirosca. You can do the regular one, which is with lime. You can do different ones with, you know, uh, strawberries or pineapple and kind of go on a, get some fruit in there, which is so nice. And it's just, it's a beautiful party drink cocktail, if you will. Um, but that's just the, just the scratching the surface of Brazilian cuisine, there is so much to be said for, um, if you ever heard of like Texas to Brazil or Fogo de Chão, like in the US, they have these big places and it's a churrascaria. And so they're really big on meat in Brazil, probably one of the biggest um, beef producing countries in the world, if not the biggest. I mean, I know Argentina's on that. Argentina has a lot of beef production as well. So meat, barbecue, huge, huge thing in Brazil. But the difference, I think, is it's not like American barbecue. We've got like a bunch of sauce on it. You know, like we're not dealing with barbecue sauce. We're talking like pure meat on a fire. Um, and that's where the churrascaria, like if you go to one of these restaurants, they are like turning meat and have meat on a fire, on like a charcoal or fire grill 
And so you're just getting a real authentic gaucho experience. Um, so yeah, if you like barbecue, it's your spot. You'll have um, farofa y vinagreche on the side, which is like little flakes of tapioca. No, cassava. Well, cassava becomes little like a powder and then vinaigrette is just like um like vinegar and onions tomatoes like a little sort of it's kind of like um chimichurri but just more fresh like it's fresh vegetables and not as many herbs and it's just like a stunning addition <laughs> very brazilian and um that's that's the beginning then you've got like crepioca which is or or tapioca where they'll make it sort of like crepes but they can do it either with this tapioca on its own and you it's sort of like a crepe but with made with tapioca instead of the flour or french kind of thing like a batter this is more just like tapioca you heat it up um, and then you can add again savory or sweet filling similar to a crepe oh the food just the food if you go so what's interesting if you go to the north when you go to the north, if you go, um, northern Brazil has a very African influence, especially near Salvador, where there was it was the port of the slave trade. And so there's some beautiful, beautiful um, influences of African culture because, well, it, it was traditionally served in Africa and then they moved there. Um, so you've got something like moqueca de camarão, feijoada, um, which moqueca de camarão is like a... It's a stew. Um, it'll usually have well, camarón is shrimp, so you have shrimp, but also maybe fish, uh, kind of like a coconut milk. Not really a curry, but it's kind of like that, you know, coconut milk, tomato, onion, coriander sort of deal. So, and it's very, you know, I would say it's, yeah, it's very bayano, like it's very. Um, that's a state where Salvador is in. It's very like a north eastern. Um, is that mokekaji camaro or vatapa also which is like a thick stew and you've got shrimp in there too but that one's like peanuts and coconut milk and it's very thick and just um oh and then you'll see if you're i know we're kind of jumping from sao paulo to the northeast but man is it just the northeast is so laden with this beautiful culture of africa that just like has also become its own sort of thing locally. So you've got Acarajé, another good one from Salvador area, Bahia. And um, it's made with uh, black peas. and it, But it sort of looks like like a ball. It's kind of like arancini in Italian, but it's made with peas and not rice and meat. It's like it's just peas and they would deep fry it um, and some onions. And then you've got all the different pastage. So pastel di ginata, like you've got cheese, ground beef, chicken. Um, they really love guava. So guava jam you could do. They usually call it Romeo and Juliet where they'll put guava jam and cheese, which is delicious. And so you've got these really lots of nice pastries. Um, so many. And then, okay. Uh, one other one that is Bolina de Bacalão, which is like um, cod, cod balls. <laughs> Not the balls of cod, but... <laughs> Um, like fried, uh, so you boil a fish and then you fry it and you put some, you could put it with main, like a main dish with rice or something, but it's sort of just a handheld snack. Um, so you just take the fish and you're 
but I that's that's actually from Portugal. So that's something that came more from the Portuguese side, less of the African roots than some of the other ones. Um, pão de queijo. So this is a Brazilian. It's actually from Minas, Minas Gerais. Um, that is like the quintessential. You could go to Costco and find pão de queijo in the grocery store. <laughs> um, it's just, a, again, a cheese bread. It is delicious. It's with cassava flour. So again, a lot of the cooking is with cassava um, flours. Cassava flour, which is from cassava root. Um, this one is originating from the African tradition and oh man it's just delicious you can have it on its own you can have it with cheese they serve it at breakfast you can have it as a snack as an appetizer it's just delicious um oh and on the on the barbecue front you've got picanha so it's a it's the rump cap of beef and it's this triangular kind of piece of meat and man is that also good and it's just if you haven't been to a chuhascaria Oh, you got to go. It's just like, and picanha is the Brazilian, I guess, one of the best cuts that they, they're known for. So lots of food. Ooh, desserts. Brigadeiro is like a chocolate truffle. That's another good, delicious one. You got all kinds of stuff to eat. And I really resonated with the eating culture there because not only am I just listing you off like amazing foods that are making me very hungry and wanting to go to a Brazilian restaurant, but food is really a part of their culture. And I know that's the case around the world, right? We connect around food. That's not a solely Brazilian thing, but some cultures just do it more, more, they just go above and beyond more than others, you know, like Indian culture, for example, food, you just got these family style, there's just food everywhere and aunties are trying to feed you. Brazilians are like that. Brazilians are like family style, grill up a bunch of meat, show up on a Saturday for some grilling and just hang out. And it's such a social occasion steeped in family. Like there's this really, it's so beautiful to see Brazil's Brazilian families and how tight knit they are. And it's so stunning because there is a lot of strife and difficulty, poverty, challenge. You know, I, I went to a dance class in Salvador and um, met a lovely guy there who said, okay, you know, my cousin was there too. Um, yeah, that was another twist. That was the second time I went to Brazil though. So we're jumping timelines, but, um, and went to this, this family's home for lunch because, Hey, you know, you're from Canada. Okay. Come for lunch, come for lunch. And these people lived in like, I mean, it wasn't a favela, but certainly they lived in like quasi favela neighborhood. I mean, it was a rough, rough neighborhood, you know, um, certainly no dishwasher, washing machine, like, you know, very basic living and the love in this home, the love of, you know, his younger brother making me a chocolate cake and the welcoming and then putting out all the stops to put a traditional dish on the table was something that could bring me to tears remembering it, how loved I felt by near perfect strangers, um, you know, was astounding because it wasn't about means. And I almost think that, you know, we, you go back to when I came back to Canada, it was such a culture shock and, and a true, I felt heartbroken to leave and come back to a place where our doors aren't as open as the culture of Brazil. They're just so open hearted and so loving. And it almost feels like to the degree that they're open hearted and loving is for the reason why there's such this, such an extreme other side of violence, you know, crime and 
the challenges that the country faces. It's what I've noticed over the years is sort of like the countries with the most love and openness and they, they seem to struggle with an extreme on the other end of the spectrum versus countries where maybe they've tampered down the openness dimension and then they've also tampered down the crime so it's kind of like if you're getting a safe developed country yeah it's great that the crime you know you don't have to walk around thinking you might get robbed but on the other hand they just miss something something of a soul something of well a near perfect stranger inviting you in for lunch and just pulling out all the stops and making you feel so loved um you know live music live music anywhere people will just man the dance the music that so i was doing foho which is a certain type of dance mainly in the northeast of brazil again um really really fun partner dancing i also tried samba and samba gigafieta um samba is like an individual person's dance but they you can do it in groups also very african tradition um very interesting roots very fat it can be very fast and challenging samba gigafieta just means with partner um and that's also a beautiful dance but my heart really fell in love with foho and the the different moves and turns and things and um the music is such a jo- jovial happy happy music so okay well let's go let's go back a little so i'm in sao paulo and i have this time with a family friend and they're so generous and kind and also exemplified exactly what i said in my last story just so kind friendly loving open and um then i go we went to rio de janeiro again so much love but rio has this beautiful juxtaposition of city and uh, nature that just overwhelms your senses like you've got mountains the ocean and then this town almost like favelas are just stacked up these hills and buildings are sort of in between like like a jungle like you just feel like you're you're this city around a jungle and i love that they've done they just intentionally or not done such a absolutely magnificent never have i seen something replicated so perfectly the way that rio has just captured beach mountains city nature and and the growth of humanity and these buildings and cities these metropolitan centers it is out of this world rio is definitely just a spot that has to be on your list if you like architecture if you like nature if you like great food beach it's just got something for everyone i can't emphasize enough how cool rio is and that's why it draws in tons of people it's fortunate enough to uh again not on this first trip but my second trip actually uh attend some of the games at the rio olympics so that was a huge experience and so fun um so that was the spot another one is florianopolis in santa catarina that is in the south and Another fascinating, you've got way more European influence. It gets a bit colder there than it would. Um, surf culture, safer, said to be safer. Um, but a beautiful, beautiful area. And Florianopolis just has a another spot that kind of sticks out with a place in my heart that is great if you want to. Well, if you're going to head down to Argentina while you're there, which as you, sh- you definitely should go to Buenos Aires and you could even go uh, to Montevideo and... Uh, Uruguay, which is a boat ride away. So 
I would go I would go down to Argentina if you're gonna if you're gonna make the trek you need to do the whole oh man maybe I should do an episode on Argentina although I spent way more time in Brazil so it might not I might not be able to do it justice one fun thing I did was I was at Foz Iguazu which is a waterfall very famous waterfall there and I went skydiving from the Brazilian side over Paraguay and then Argentinian side and landed and it was just like this beautiful scene of the falls and these three countries where the landscapes are similar. It's not like you really know, okay, here's the border of this, that, but to just be falling from 10,000 feet and um, to see such a beautiful waterfall, that was a really big adrenaline rush and wonderful experience to say the least. So that's a good time. <laughs> if you're looking to do skydiving, you might want to do it there. I, I had a great, great experience. So that's one thing. Um, what else? So we're in Rio. Rio's great. Carnival in Brazil. Also, maybe not on this trip, but Carnival in Brazil. Absolutely. Yeah, sort of a wow. A wow kind of experience, unlike any other. So you can go in Rio or Salvador. Salvador is, I mean, anyone from either city would say theirs is better. Rio's a bit more performance, like stage. You, you kind of watch these floats and you go and you watch as a spectator, whereas Salvador, um, it prides itself on being more interactive. So you've got millions of people in the streets following behind these big trucks that are playing music. They're, the performers are on top of these huge trucks and you're like walking down the streets with the trucks and following behind the different bands. You can be in a band and get a shirt and then you kind of follow along. It can be with a particular artist or you can of course, go wherever you want. Um, so that's kind of the difference between the two there, the big difference. Um, but in Rio, you've got parties in the streets and groups of people that get together and both are fascinating. But I think the costumes, um, the costumes are, well, they're good if you're in one of those camps too in Salvador. But the costumes in Rio are a bit more extravagant. Um, again, if you're like watching the actual parade floats go by, it's a bit more like that, like a parade. Whereas in Salvador, it's more like music based and you definitely people have costumes and things, but it's like very driven on music and being there and experiencing the music and walking behind. And you're very much so a part of the parade, if you will. Um, they also have, of course, like uh, Camarachi, which is like on the side. And so it's like a VIP, like you would have... Um, you would have you would be more of a spectator there. So some people like to be more of a spectator. But I think the joy of of Carnival is uh definitely being in the street and just enjoying the music and being a part of the experience. And tons of street food. Um, brilliant time. Of course, you know, disclaimer, disclaimer, like street safety, be careful. Um, my cousin and I did get robbed, unfortunately, um, on our way to Carnival in Salvador one day, but that was the only incident I had in you know, I've spent probably in total a year, you know, on my multiple trips to Brazil. So, yeah, I I really, I think if you, you have to have your head on, you know, you have to pay attention, but in terms of danger, that was the only experience and um, we were unharmed physically, you know, I mean, emotionally it was, it was really tough to experience, but nothing thankfully i'm still here and so you know there there certainly can be worse situations 
Um, but something to just think about, right? Be mindful. Don't walk down empty streets. Don't walk down streets alone. Even if you think, you know, like you're just going to catch a cab or something, just don't do it. Don't walk on an empty street um, past sunset. Don't walk, even if it's on a main street, just don't walk alone past sunset and don't walk alone, um, depending on where, where you're going and what you're doing. So, so that's, and I get it, right? Some people would say, well, but so that makes it hard to raise a family and, and sure, granted, yes, it, there are considerations there that if you're living in North America, you might not be considering as much. It certainly changed me. You know, I'm definitely more careful at night overall. Like I definitely just am more careful than I was pre going to Brazil. Um, and I have a bit of that radar that I didn't necessarily have before. So that's, that's definitely the case. Um, but would I trade my, all of the love and all of the amazing food, dance and experiences, not a chance, not a chance. Brazil, I could cry thinking about just the um, immense amounts of people that I met that extended their hearts to me that were kind, that were friendly, um, stayed in a bunch of hostels and just met all kinds of brilliant individuals, Brazilians and travelers. And so a hostel experience there was just wonderful because you had people that were, everyone was just so friendly. Come with us here. We're going here next. Do you want to travel with us? Like traveling in Brazil alone. I can't remember a moment when I felt alone. <laughs> I have to say, like, there's just always, you know, you walk out. I mean, I'm sure there were moments, but it, like that time in my life was absolutely, I wouldn't characterize it as feeling alone. There have been seasons of my life where I felt very alone, very isolated. This was not one of them. This was a time of like, almost not never being alone and almost wanting or craving that. So man, if you want connection, Brazil is just a spot. I think, of course it depends on what kind of trip you plan and how you go about it. But for me, um, I was feeling super connected with wonderful friendships across the board, the whole country. Um, so, okay. So we've talked a little bit about Sao Paulo, Rio de Janeiro, Rio, um, Actually, in my book, so in Memorable, I met, so here's another just like amazing connection. I met this guy at Carnival. No, not at Carnival, just a night out. But there are these little stands where they make caipirinha, the drink I told you about. Um, and so I met I met him at one of these stands and we just started talking and he does designs and he does beautiful uh, drawings. And so, you know, here, fast forward a couple years and I needed illustrations for my book, for Memorable. And I reached out to him. I said, you know what? Like, I, I'm not going to hire some random graphics person. You're great. Why? You know, his work's fantastic. Why you want to do it? And he said, yes. So actually, his name is Ricardo. Ricardo. Um, his images, his drawings are in my book. And that was just such a happenstance, random chance encounter with the person. Um, and it just turned out to be such a beautiful friendship and so fruitful and collaborating with him was wonderful. Now the downsides. Okay, so in Brazil, sure, the bus might not be on time. Sometimes it doesn't come at all, or it's very delayed. Um, flights are generally on time. I found the flights were pretty prompt when I was flying around the country. But, uh, you know, public transit, you can have your delays. The rules can be fuzzy. People kind of do what they're going to do. Um, that being said... What I admire about it is the entrepreneurial nature of the general public. Like you have tons of people just selling things in the streets, vendors that sell things on the beach, that just food stands, lots of restaurants of just little small family restaurants. I think 
of course you have that in the US and beyond, right? Like the whole world has small restaurants. But I'm talking about like the micro entrepreneur. I'm talking about like how many people I saw just kind of with a stand selling ice cream, selling this, selling that. People would just go out and try to make a living. And and that um that entrepreneurial spirit really you do see it throughout the, the country. Um so I think as a nation from kind of small, small family business to, to larger, there's this big emphasis on just doing your own thing and in taking matters into your own hands. And there's something about that, that I do like, um, for better, for worse. It's not, I mean, sure there's bureaucracy, but it's not as mired in bureaucracy as some other places. And even when it is, it's, they're just less, I mean, again, I guess it depends who you talk to, but I'm just talking about day-to-day public. Day-to-day public is focused on making things right for their family, mostly very religious nation, you know. Um, like when I would leave the house um, or anything, like they would say, may God bless you on your way, you know, like there's a real religious kind of even in the language, um, you know, Deus, like thanks to God is like a common expression um, it's not like something just saved for church. There are a lot of expressions in the Brazilian culture that are rooted in religion. And you see that in the way that um, the emphasis on family is there and the way that they speak in their language. Um, another interesting thing is that families are very fluid. So I think while there is a religious emphasis, there's so much love for, and there are a lot of families that are blended families and there's just a, a more open um and somehow mature approach to that. Like I would meet people where, you know, for better, or for worse, it depends on like, <laughs> depends on your philosophy in life. But I mean, if you have a kid with someone and then you don't stay for whatever reason, um, I find a lot in North America, it kind of creates huge tensions. There's a lot of sibling rivalry or these issues of like step parents. It's a big, big kind of problem that even I've personally faced. And it's a challenge to, to integrate two families or new families or like it, it just brings up different issues that a, a family the, of a mother father and kid doesn't bring up so that was interesting there seeing a lot of families with step parents you know step parents on both sides co-parenting kids kids from different places and just different parents and and people really embracing and being quite mature and open about it. I mean, again, this is a generalization. I'm sure there are issues and things, but just as a culture, I felt this sense of openness to focusing on family first, focusing on being loving, being mature in the face of familial differences, um, really welcoming in adult, very adult relationships between, let's say, if parents are co-parenting or like just doing a generally better job than what I had seen historically in in my landscape growing up where divorce meant, you know, they hated each other and there are a lot of, (laughs) there are lawyers involved. And then you have like, you know, they have to talk to each other through mediated means. And it's just like, it would be a lot more removed. I found that there, it was like, there was more dialogue. There's more friendliness. There was a bit more amicable. It was more amicable when, when sorts of these sorts of changes would happen within a family or blended families. There was just this more loving approach to it that I really appreciated. All right. So if you're not already convinced to pack your bags, although I don't think it's my job to convince anyone of anything, but um, (laughs) let's keep moving up the coast. So 
there's Sao Paulo, there's Rio de Janeiro, there's Florianopolis. Then you can move up and you've got, well, northeast at the top, as we talked about, Salvador. You've got Sobral and Jericoacoara and Ceará, which, okay, so Ceará is the state. I spent a good amount of time in that state. And Jericoacoara is just the kind of beach where dreams are made. It is, there are no streetlights. Everybody from the town, it's a tiny little town, and not everybody, but many people watch the sunset on these particular set of dunes every night, and there's something so magical about everybody kind of coming out and watching, although that happens in Rio, too, where people will watch along the beach. But, man, is it just, it's outside of Fortaleza. That's the state of Ceará. Sobral was where one of the most loving people I have ever met is from. Um, so I spent some good time there when my cousin came with me the second time to, she, she's a teacher and she came and taught English at a school. She taught in Sobral and the city outside of Fortaleza. So she got some experience doing that and we lived there for a little while. Um, but then Jericoacoara is a coastal town that you can drive through to from Sobral and I got to tell you, I mean, Fortaleza is known for being a bit dangerous. It's a bigger city um, on the coast, but Jericoacoara is just this dream. Like you don't even have to wear shoes. You have beautiful little boutiques and shops, restaurants and everything. The streets are sand. So no cars, no paved streets. Everything is like sand buggies. Those, those dune buggies, like four wheelers. And um, that is a unique, lots of honeymooners there. I feel like it's a unique honeymoon spot. But just stunning at night, like you absolutely see the stars. You can walk through the streets with flip-flops. You're just, you're definitely on vacation and you're on beach time if you are in Jerry or Jerry Quaquara. So a beautiful beach visit if you're up there. Um, you've got Lensois, which is um, further west. There are these dunes. It's a par- national park. Um, Lensois Maranhenses, which is uh, west of Jericoacoara so if you're up there um it's like absolutely white sand and these huge sand dunes and they're just marvelous right on the ocean right on the ocean there so that's a stunning spot if we go and that's like the north like the top of Brazil if we go um a little bit and I haven't mentioned Belém or San Luis those are two other bigger cities that are kind of on that northern coast I didn't spend a ton of time there but they do exist um Okay, let's see. So we go further west, east. We go east along the northern coast and we get to Natal. And Natal is a fun spot. You can go. They have, um, there's an island. Oh, what's the name? What's the name? Oh, no. There's an island off of Natal that people go vacation on. That's really nice. Praj Pipa. You've got some beaches. Like you could just drive down the coast and in theory be totally fine. I didn't spend a ton of time in Natal. I am going to go. Where is I? So the first time I went scuba diving, <laughs> uh, which was fun because, well, no idea what I was doing. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I was in Portugalinhas. And that is a small little beach town with lots of kind of tourists going there. It's south of Hasifi. So it's another city. Hasifi's got a great um, dance scene. It's still very northeastern in culture. I went to... 
an amazing Festa Junina, which is like a, um, it's a June festival. Uh, the roots are grounded in the harvesting, like the harvest season, the agricultural season. It's like a thanks for the season type of thing. Um, and so Festa Junina, though, has lots of fojo. Where did I go? Where was it? There was a small town. Was it outside of Hasifi or was it outside of Salvador? It's hmm. a good question. It's been a while. Um, oh, Maceo. Okay, sorry. I'm looking at a map trying to... There's just so many... This is another thing. Brazil is huge, okay? You're never going to... I spent a ton of time. I think I went to a lot of places, but man, there's still so many places I did not get to. I mean, I did the big cities and things, but whew, Brazil is... A trip of a lifetime, you could just explore and drive the whole country and never be done, really. It's just town upon town upon lots of agricultural land. It's just huge. It's, it's huge. It's like the U.S. Like, it's just keeps going and going. So, no story about Brazil would be complete if I didn't mention the Amazon and the Pantanal. So, many people go and know Brazil for... Of course, the Amazon rainforest, which was amazing. We went and scaled up a tree like 60 meters and we're in these hammocks and it was just wonderful. I ate an ant that tasted like lemons. It was just there was a guide that literally would walk through with a machete and cut us a path because there was no it wasn't like a trail. It was just forest. And. Um, and yeah. It, uh, he would so we were walking and then there was oh so we had brazil nuts which was fascinating to be able to find those nuts and just eat them the family that we stayed with had this regenerate this it almost looked like a forest in and of itself which was their garden and so they mixed different plants together which was said to um which was said to not attract animals to eat it because the scents were mixed with different plants so that was interesting instead of you know um, most of the time here we'll plant a row of potatoes or tomatoes or carrots or whatever. It's all in rows and organized there. They sort of do more forest-like or natural planting where different plants are together and in different spaces. So that's interesting. Um, but the Pantanal was this magical gem that I didn't or hadn't ever heard of. And the Pantanal is south of the Amazon, the most biodiverse place because you have every different environment. You have arid kind of desert. You have little ponds and things. You also have the rainforest right there. So this is fantastic. It's sort of kind of where the Amazon rainforest ends. But because it ends and then there's this sort of arid mix and forest and it's very, very biodiverse. So lots of fascinating animals or tours there. Um, it's almost like if you think of a safari or something, you could just go and see the most fantastic array of birds, wildlife of all kinds, um, alligators. It's just and huge spiders. Wow. Yeah. Big spiders. So if you're into wildlife, that is your spot. It's very cool in that way and sort of Hadn't really thought or heard of that. I knew of the rainforest, but again, hadn't heard of that piece. So definitely check out the Pantanal if you are into nature and wildlife in particular. So oh, I could probably go on for days and days, but if you love culture that is based on food, love, authenticity, this open-hearted like your heart on your sleeve kind of people um, brazil is for you i could speak for days about this place 
so, and if you're going to do a tour, you know, Sao Paulo, Rio, Florianopolis, down in the south in Santa Catarina, up Recife, Natal, you got Porto de Galinhas, which is like a nice beachy town, but there are lots. Oh, Morro de São Paulo. That's another island that I went to um, off of Salvador. So definitely check out Salvador for their food, culture, African culture. Um, there's in the main square, you've got Capoeira, which is interesting, um, which is sort of like a Brazilian dance martial art, which is so fascinating when you think about, um, I think in a society we really need total tangential thought but we were, i was reading um the body keeps the score and he talks about uh as a treatment for trauma having these embodied methods for movement and breathing and how the vagus nerve is connected from body to mind not mind to body so it's body to mind and these practices of similar to um qigong or other mar- uh, martial arts uh jujitsu capoeira is dance and movement and so you're first of all they revere the ancestors very much through the practice of capoeira which is fascinating in and of itself to have a reverence for the elderly and a love for the elderly which you see in brazil because there's so much multi-generational living going on as well which is beautiful to see you know parents living with grandparents and children and the whole the whole ecosystem is there which is so so nice and i think we've we've gone away from that in many ways in north america as well which is having your family nearby and you know, pros and cons. But anyway, so the practice of capoeira, it's this dance martial arts type of beautiful practice that um, they do there as well as, of course, there's Brazilian jiu-jitsu. That's huge. So if you're into any of those activities, it's also great. <gasps> I almost didn't tell you. So in Rio, um, I did also Asa Delta. What is it? Like paragliding? Parasailing? No. I think it's paragliding. You essentially run off. <laughs> this guy's like, yeah, it's fine. We drive up this hill, we get out, and there's this huge kind of, what would you call it? It's not a parachute. It's like um, a hanger, like a wing hanger thing. And you go and you like run full speed ahead, holding on to this thing. He's like, yeah, just run until you can't run anymore. And so I ran off this cliff and you run holding, of course, with a guide an instructor because so you run off at full speed off of this mountain and then you're holding on. And then when you can't, feel the floor anymore you're flying and so that was a stunning activity oh so glad i remembered to say that before i closed off um such a beautiful activity in rio because again you have mountains and you see the favelas all the way up the hills and um the beach and and of course the ocean and so you're flying down amongst nature and city and wow what an experience so man whoo we've covered a lot Go to Brazil, eat some pão de queijo and churrasco. Go get a, a bit of picanha and maybe, um, you know, some tapioca and uh, drink a caipirinha on the beach. Have a brilliant time in the sun. Dance your night away anywhere, pretty much, with live music and eating out in the streets and people just milling around. Um, definitely go to some samba. Maybe catch a capoeira class. And hopefully learn some Brazilian Portuguese because it's probably one of the most beautiful languages in my estimation that I've ever learned, had the privilege of learning and interacting with. So a huge thank you to all of my Brazilians. Tenho tanta saudade de vocês, seu país. E espero que a gente se venha logo que... Preciso voltar. Brasil tem meu coração, viu? All right, everybody.
Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time as we head to Canada or Croatia. We'll see where we go next. Take care until then. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this episode today. It really helps the show when you like, review, subscribe, or donate to support the effort to continue producing amazing episodes just like this one. I look forward to seeing you again in another episode very soon, and take good care until then.